Hello, you are listening to Knight's History Cast, where we have conversations about history. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Central Florida's History Department. I am public history graduate student Holly Baker, and I will be your host for this week's episode of Knight's History Cast. I recently sat down with Dr. Thomas Madden, professor of history and director of the Center for Medieval and Renaissance Studies at St. Louis University. Dr. Madden gave a lecture at the Poly Speaker Series on Global Affairs, titled, The New Crusaders, Distorting Medieval Europe's Holy Wars in Support of Modern Agendas. In our interview, Dr. Madden talks with me about modern distortions of the medieval crusades and the misappropriation of its symbols and imagery. Have a listen to our conversation. Hello, I am Holly Baker with the UCF History Department, and today I am with Dr. Thomas Madden. Welcome, Dr. Madden, and thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Holly. Today I would like to ask you some questions based on your your lecture yesterday. First, could you tell me what you discussed yesterday at the Poly Speaker Series? Um, Sure. I began by talking about what was a a kind of a a mini-controversy among medieval historians um, and medievalists of, of other disciplines as well, regarding the use of medieval symbols in the Charlottesville uh, protests, which ended up, these Charlottesville protests between white supremacists uh, and counter-protesters, which ended up uh, very uh, tragically causing uh, the death of one protester and injury of many others. And because of this very surprising activities that happened there that really shocked the nation. There were a lot of medievalists who became upset uh, because there were medieval symbols being used uh, in by the white supremacists. And the Medieval Academy of America, which is the premier organization of medievalists in the United States, issued a, uh, a statement on it, in fact, disclaiming the, uh, the white supremacists and stating that the symbols Uh, have been uh, misappropriated and that they are not what the white supremacists believe them to be, which is uh, symbols of a white, pure Europe. They singled out specifically the Crusades because a number of the white supremacists were carrying uh, symbols of the Crusades, in particular the Jerusalem Cross and the motto of the First Crusade that the First Crusaders chanted, uh, Deus Volt, which means God wills it. And so that was the, the starting point of the lecture. Um, I agreed with the, with the Medieval Academy that uh, the people bearing these symbols at uh, these protests don't really know very much about the Middle Ages or the Crusades. Uh, but uh, I pointed out that the Crusades have in fact been misappropriated for uh, for very violent ends for a long period of time. And so much of the, the lecture was looking at the ways other people have misused the Crusades. I went back to, primarily back to the 19th century with the European colonial powers who reshaped the Crusades, uh, which were a very medieval event, uh, into a very modern event. And they recast them as Europe's first colonial uh, ventures. And, and when the Europeans then, either in France in 1830 when they captured Algeria, or after World War I when the Ottoman Empire was divided up amongst the great powers, uh, they went into the Muslim Middle East with these incorrect uh, notions of what the Crusades were. 
and saw them and in fact taught the Muslim world uh, about the Crusades as a colonial enterprise, which is not what the Crusades were at all. And then uh, I then brought uh, us forward more to explain how um, subsequent to World War II, colonialism was discredited and the new uh, Arab nationalist states in the Middle East then took the, the, what they had learned from the Europeans about the Crusades and made the next logical conclusion that the reason that the, there was corruption and violence and the reason that the Muslim uh, Middle East had not kept up with the uh, European West was because they had been dealt a debilitating blow by the Crusades uh, and that the Crusades had essentially continued throughout the centuries and was continuing even today first in the colonialists' uh, actions, but then also um, in, in Western actions in the Middle East today. And that essentially is the, the position held by first the Arab nationalists, but also the Islamists, um, and particularly the, the organizations like Al-Qaeda or ISIS that have militants that do these attacks uh, all over the world. Uh, I also showed in the, in the lecture how ISIS uses crusade imagery to not only to characterize its attacks, like the attacks in Paris or in London, but it also uses this as in their magazine, Dabiq, uh, and it's used as a recruiting tool as well. And the, it's essentially a, a misappropriation of the Crusades. It, it casts them as something that they weren't, but it also casts them as, as an ongoing campaign that Europe has been waging against the Muslim Middle East um, since the 11th century. And then the remainder of the... Uh, the lecture, I, I spent some time talking about common misconceptions about the Crusades and uh, many of the, uh, the ones that uh, are held by uh, Islamists and racists, but also many that are just generally viewed today by the common population. And the reason is, is because, as I said in the lecture, the Crusades are very useful for modern agendas because everyone has an image of the Crusades in their mind it may be a vague image, but there is an image there. But nonetheless, most people have very little information about the actual campaigns. So that means they're, they're rife for using that vivid image uh, for your own uh, modern uh, agendas. Uh, so I, I talked a little bit about what the Crusades were, um, and in particular, what historians have learned over the last 50 years or so. There's been an explosion of Crusade studies in Largely, uh, it began through Cambridge University, but then spread uh, throughout the world with scholars looking at materials that had never been examined before. The advent of computers helped a lot, too, for the ability to uh, quantify uh, this material and organize it in a way that would not have been possible before. And so we know many of the things we used to think about the Crusades are just false. And what the, the crucial thing about um, the Crusades that historians have learned in these years is that militarily they don't make a lot of sense. The Crusades were first and foremost devotional activities. The men who took the cross and went on the crusade were professional warriors who believed that their souls were in, in incredible peril because of what they did. And the crusade they saw as an act of charity and an act of love for their neighbors who were the Christians in the East who had had their lands um, captured by Muslim invasions. And that was uh, the mindset behind why they would take 
enormous expenses. I mean, they paid for these expeditions themselves and, um, and take the enormous risk. Uh, the the uh, casualty rate on Crusades was around 50, 60, 70%. So, so you had a very good chance of never coming home. But they, but they lived in a world, a very medieval world, that was very different than ours, in which their economies, the things that they thought were most important, were very different than the ones we, in a secular world, uh, would hold to. And I concluded the, the lecture with um, my own kind of discussion about why these things are possible, and I think it's largely because we don't teach the pre-modern world anymore. Uh, most universities now, in fact, there's, it would be difficult to find a university that requires their students to take a course in any history that's pre-modern. And that means that it's simply, the, the medieval world simply becomes a backdrop for entertainment now. And you can put whatever you want into it. It doesn't matter. So if you want to make up stories about the Crusades, that's fine. Um, if you want to uh, put hobbits and dragons and all the rest in, that's, that's fine as well. But there was an actual Middle Ages. And it was, uh, it was very different from our world. Um, it can't be translated directly into it. Uh, but as long as we're not willing to, to learn about it, um, then we can't be surprised when um, bad people use uh, that history for their own ends. Could you elaborate on some of the misconceptions about the Crusades? Yeah, sure. Most people, I think, believe that the Crusades were uh, wars of conversion, that the purpose was to expand Christianity by the sword. Um, conversion had absolutely nothing to do with the, the Crusades. The, the Crusaders saw them as wars in reaction to Muslim conquests. And so the principal purpose of the Crusade was to um, remove the conquerors from lands that had been Christian and to restore those lands, if possible, to the original owners or at least to Christian control. As it turns out, they never expected this to happen, but as it turns out, the First Crusade was, was amazingly successful. Uh, and after it had conquered Jerusalem, they began to create uh, what are sometimes called the Crusader States or the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Um, and there were many Muslims who lived in that kingdom. And in fact, they were the majority of the people who lived in that kingdom. And there were um, no real attempts to uh, convert them. Later in the 13th century, the Franciscans uh, did try to preach to some of the Muslims, uh, but it was not part of the Crusades, and it, it failed miserably, so they quickly um, stopped because it just wasn't working. But, but conversion was never part of it. Another is that the, the Crusades were uh, colonialist wars. And uh, again, scholars have rejected this largely because it doesn't fit any of the definitions of colonialism. There is no um, economic relationship between the supposed colony, which was, this was not a colony, and a mother country. There is no mother country, in fact. Quite the contrary, the, uh, the Kingdom of Jerusalem during it lasted in one form or another for about 190 years. Um, it was a separate entity that requested help from Europe frequently, but um, it was never it was never something which paid dividends, economic dividends, the way that a colonial uh, relationship works. Um, Europeans thought about it a lot. Um, they worried deeply about the state of the Holy Land, but that was because Europeans uh, believed that the state of the Holy Land was a mirror of their own souls, that if God were happy with his people, then he would uh, preserve the Holy Land for them. If he was angry with his people, 
then he would allow the Muslims uh, to take those the holy sites. And so it was not so much the land itself, but it was what that represented for them. Um, a very common uh, myth that what used to be taught in, in schools uh, is that uh, the Crusades were essentially um, created by the second sons of, of nobles who could not inherit their father's lands um, and who did not have anything else to do. So they marched off to the Holy Land to carve out territories for themselves. This has been thoroughly disproven long, uh, long ago. First of all, second sons and third sons tended to go into the church. You have to remember that the, the church controlled nearly a third of all the lands uh, in Europe. So there was no shortage of places for second and third sons to go. But aside from that, it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. If the second or a third son really wanted to carve out territory for themselves, there was plenty of land much closer to do so. Um, the Crusades are the only expedition, it's the only, only campaign that I'm aware of in human history in which you literally have tens of thousands of warriors marching thousands of miles deep into enemy territory for really no good strategic reason. The Crusades only make sense when we approach them as religious exercises, devotional exercises. That's what would lead these thousands of people to do something uh, that, that really makes no strategic sense. Yesterday during your talk you spoke about, and you actually spoke about it a little bit earlier in the interview, about how students tend to learn about the medieval world from movies and television, um, you know, dragons and hobbits and such like you just said. Um, do you think that television shows and movies provide an accurate depiction of the Crusades? I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is <laughs> going to be, but uh, why or why not? <laughs> if there is an accurate description of the Crusades that's been done on television, I've never seen it. There have been documentaries over the last, let's say, 25 to 30 years. There have been a number, not a number, but there have been a number of, of crusade documentaries done. One that was done by uh, BBC in the, uh, I believe it was late 80s or early 90s. It was, uh, in fact, hosted by Terry Jones of Monty Python fame. Terry Jones uh, got a master's degree in medieval literature, so he, he considers himself to be a medievalist. It was... Uh, it was completely false. Um, almost, it was rather entertaining, but it was completely false in almost every respect. Um, the only good parts about it were that he actually traveled to a number of places in Syria that you can no longer go to. Um, so those, those are interesting because you can actually see some of these hospital or castles that you can no longer see. Aside from that, it, it was not only just false, but it was disingenuous. They um, interviewed people. In fact, they interviewed the, the greatest a scholar of the Crusades in our times, Jonathan Riley Smith uh, from Cambridge, for the for this show, and and then when the thing actually came out, they selectively cut him to make it seem as though he were agreeing with the things that the documentary was saying. I know that uh, Professor Riley Smith, after he had seen that, became so upset he swore he would never do another television show ever again. In my time, I've done a, a, a lot of television shows, not as many as I used to, but. I've, I've had that experience as well, where unfortunately with TV, uh, the way they work, and this is, I'm thinking of things like the History Channel or more recently CNN and their Pope series, is they, they pretty much get a script ahead of time. So they already know what they're going to say. And that script is not based, at least in my experience, it's not based on any actual sound scholarship or any, any reality about what's happening in that period. 
it's it's really based as a producer at History Channel told me uh, once. This is not the, we're the History Channel. Our first thing is channel, and that is we are an entertainment vehicle. Our job is not to 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 give accurate history. But I think most people, when they watch it, think that they are being given accurate history. And so I also have often been disillusioned. Um, I mentioned this in my lecture yesterday. Uh, the, there is currently airing a, uh, a, a miniseries on CNN on uh, the history of the popes. And um, I was interviewed for the, uh, the first two of them, which have to do with the papacy before 1500. Um, and also, they spent a fair amount of time talking about the Crusades, too. And on that show, they literally talked to specialists and experts about these topics. And then they just simply cut everything we said that they d was not going to be part of their sensationalist stories. And instead, the talking heads who are on there the most are people who have absolutely no expertise in the, in the uh, study of the medieval world. Um, one uh, person, I'm sure she's a very nice person, uh, but she, she has a PhD in American studies. And, and she is pontificating, excuse the pun, uh, on the history of the papacy, um, in which she's never been trained and, has, and knows absolutely very, very little about it. Um, well, based on what she says in the, in the show. So it's, it's very disconcerting because, again, producers like that are interested in, in getting something that's going to get people to tune in, watch the commercials, and, uh, and stay focused. And, and for whatever reason, I don't understand it because it seems to me the real stories are much more entertaining than the made-up ones that they come up with. But there you have it. Well, um, is there anything that you would like to add before our interview concludes? My main exhortation at the end of my lecture was that in universities now, it seems that more and more everything is, is moving towards, and I'm not opposed to this, moving towards uh, STEM, the science, technology, mathematics. Uh, and I think that's, that's fine. But I think it's crucial that as we go along that we don't forget uh, history. Because when we, when we uh, banish history from our curriculum, it means that unscrupulous people are in a position to warp that history, to tell us things which are just simply not true. Uh, and a little bit of information, a little bit of knowledge is a, is a great defense against those people. And so um, I think that was my, that was my main kind of uh, exhortation for the, for the end of my talk. Well, I really appreciate you doing this interview with me, and I enjoyed your lecture, and it's been great meeting with you and talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. That was Dr. Thomas Madden talking with me about his lecture at the Poly Speaker Series on Global Affairs, titled, the New Crusaders, Distorting Medieval Europe's Holy Wars in Support of Modern Agendas. For Knight's History Cast, I'm Holly Baker. Please subscribe to this podcast to hear future interviews and conversations.